Welcome to the Driving Force Podcast, a podcast for new and aspiring leaders within the transportation and logistics industry. I'm your host, AP, and along with Matt Loggins, we have over 20 years of combined experience within the transportation and logistics industry. But more importantly, we're young, hungry, and nimble, and we've used that to our advantage to navigate, advance, and grow in an ever-changing industry. So without further ado, here is the Driving Force Podcast. On today's episode, we chat with Ben White. Director at Titus Talent Strategies. Ben has a passion for serving his customers and building relationships by serving with integrity and transparency. Ben is passionate about content creation and innovation within the recruitment space. He is a frequent LinkedIn content contributor, webinar participant, podcast guest, and speaker. We believe he has valuable insight into leadership, leadership development, and mentoring. I know you're the director at Titus Talent Strategies and you've been in recruiting, what, the past decade now? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So we wanted to have you on, uh, wanted to kind of get things started and and talking about some of the, the things that you have a lot of experience in. One of the opening questions I have for you was, what's the single best uh, piece of advice, recruiting advice uh, you've ever received? That, that's, a, that's a really great question. I think... I've been the beneficiary of a lot of good recruiting advice and a, and a lot of not so good recruiting advice, I would say, over <laughs> right. the past decade. You know, I think the, the best recruiting advice that I've ever been given is to not give up at, at the first message or the first outreach attempt. And I think it's a, it's a thing that a lot of people don't do. And it's so simple, um, but it makes such a massive difference. When I first started, I'd reach out to somebody and if they didn't respond to me, I would just move on. Yeah, um, they're not interested. Yeah, yeah, but if, if you're if you're <laughs> recruiting like top twenty five percent talent, right? The best people available in the market, most of them are happy. You know, they're at their job, doing a great job every day. And if you send them one message, that is probably not going to cut it. So following up, sending a second message, sending an email, giving them a call, even though right. I'm sure like half the people listening to this will go, <laughs> "Oh, I hate it when recruiters call me at work." Admittedly, yes, I we understand. Um, but just not giving up, being persistent, um, that's probably, it's so simple, but it's the most impactful piece of advice I've ever been given in recruitment. Just it's going to take multiple, you know, multiple shots most of the time. Yeah, no. So consistency and persistency uh, or pers- being persistent help you uh, or, or keys to help you on your journey. Um, what would be the worst piece of advice that you've ever received? Yeah, the worst the worst piece of advice I got, and it's it's funny because maybe in the seat that I was in at the time, it wasn't terrible advice, but looking back at it now, it's terrible advice to me. And that's it's about you, right? And I, I had a I had a boss tell me that, and you know we're working with clients. You know I'm in a third party environment, so you have a company. They said, Ben, we're looking for a senior mechanical design engineer. And, you know, I think I had voiced a concern about how, oh, well, they said this and they said that. And he says, it's not about them. It's about you. And I just, I think it's a terrible way to view recruitment just because it's supposed to be about a partnership. Yeah. It's not about any one person. It should be about everybody. Right. It should be about the candidate. It should be about the client. It should be about it being a fit for both of them. And you factor in there somewhere, but to say it's about you Gosh, that just is not a way to build a relationship long term. And, you know, in recruitment and 
in many things really, but you know, specifically in recruitment, relationships are what help you stand out. There are no shortage of recruiters. And if you're not going to build relationships, you're not going to be able to last. Well, and to piggyback to that, you, you miss the message, right? If, if you only have your perspective and your understanding of what you want, then whatever somebody tells you and what they're trying to impart on you, you, you it glosses over you and you, you're not able to see the message. And, and in essence, you don't see the forest through the trees a lot of times. And you give them the wrong thing. And you saw with that relationship, you saw with that potential partnership because you haven't been listening, actively listening. Yeah, that's a great point. If, if you really think it's about you, are you picking everything up? Or are you kind of looking at what they're saying and discounting it? Because it doesn't matter as much as what you're thinking. And right. gosh, hey, even if you know, even if you think it is about you, you're also not putting yourself in position to succeed. Just that mindset alone right. is going to make you a less effective version of yourself. So that is the worst advice I have ever received. Well, and it's like you're in that scenario, you're selfish if you're thinking just about you and you're picking out pieces that are only important to you. The candidate, you know, if you don't listen to what the, you know your client wants, right? Yeah. And then you don't listen to what the candidate wants, it, none of it's going to match up. So you're going to have, totally. not only you're going to have a bad sour taste in the candidate, but also the client. So it's, it's, it's bad all the way around. So let's, let's piggyback off that. So let's talk about your journey from being a recruiter. So getting that bad advice to now yeah. you're a director. And can you tell us about, you know, where you are now with Titus Talent Strategies? Yeah, so I, I will say the environment I was in and the environment I'm in now couldn't be more diametrically opposed. Like they are so different. I brag about my company a lot because I love my company, but we have eight core lived values and we live them every single day. And one of them is integrity. And we we truly feel that way. Um, and from a values perspective, that couldn't be more different than the advice I received 10 years ago. You know, because we, we truly do sit on the side of our, our clients. We sit on their side of the desk and, and we serve as consultants to help them make the best decision for themselves. And then also for the candidate, because if it's not a great experience for the candidate, they're not going to stay. You know, everybody kind of has to win in recruiting for, um, for it to be a good fit, you know, for it to work. It's got to work for everybody. So the environments couldn't, couldn't be more different. You know, my role is very different now than it was when I started. But the environment to me, being a company that's ethical, driven by integrity, um, very service oriented, very experience oriented, is just so different for recruitment in general. Um, you know, you look at recruitment and there's kind of the used car salesman view of it sometimes. You see people just trying to get a candidate, place them and then move on and don't care what happens behind. It blows up after you leave. It doesn't matter if you got your fee. Um, and we just couldn't be more different. And my company guarantees candidates performance for a year. And we, we don't even collect the entire fee until a year. Like we, there's only a small partial charge in the beginning. And then, hey, they're still there in a year. You're happy with them. Then we collect the other half of it. I don't know of a single other company in recruitment in the world who does that. And I, I think in part it's because we really do live our values. Yeah, no, that's that's a much much different strategy, and that's a much longer strategy, right? I mean, it's it's, Long term, it's yep. that's a that's a marathon and not a sprint, and yeah. you're betting on your ability to win um, way more than you lose by by being intentional yeah. about yeah. who you who you place, why you place them, about their experience from the the, the, the recruiter the hiring side, 
uh, uh, the, the whole process and, and enjoying it as much as you enjoy it and as much as the company is going to enjoy, it, you know, having them aboard. So that's that's different, man. And that's that's a yeah. that's a huge bet. But but to your point, because you're living the culture and it's not just words on a wall. Right. And it's not yeah. just a mission statement and words on paper and, and, and pretty letters or pretty colors. And yeah, what's like your that. mission it's, statement? It's there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's you, you live it, right? And, and right. So yeah. that's, that's interesting. That's, 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 a, that's a different way uh, to skin the cat, so to, so to speak. But it's, um, it, it's especially now, and I, spe- I think especially with this, this, this next generation that's, 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 that's coming on board, that will be one of the larger generations of our entire lifetime. They view the world differently, right? And yeah. Relationships way different than 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 our parents, and that we will, uh, you know, we, the relationships we have, and, and as far as a, a work life balance and things like that, they they view the world differently. So that's that's a longer, longer approach, but that's you know that's going to have you winning way more than you lose. Yeah. yeah, the way I view it is like um, sometimes I'll talk to potential clients and I'll say, hey, do any of your current partners would they ever charge maybe like half of it upfront and half in a year? And they go, oh, no, they would never do that. And I go, oh, we would. And because we have a different view of partnerships and relationships. You know, for yeah. us, it's never about one fill. It's about being a trusted partner over the long term. So, you know, that's, it's just kind of emblematic of how we feel about how the relationship should be. You'd rather have a candidate and a client be happy long term instead of having every year, hey, I got to find yeah. another another candidate, another candidate, another candidate. At some point, they're going to look at the turnover and the cost and they're like, oh, is this worth it? Like, why are we right. doing this? So that's right. a good point. So yeah. so talk a little bit about how your role has <laughs> changed um, and, and and kind of where you were to, to now, what you're responsible for and, and how you've had to think differently in, in, in some cases and, and, and what that means. So my my role today is really the first role where I, where I wasn't an individual contributor. Mm-hmm. In every role up until this point, you know, it, it had been about my individual responsibilities. It was, right. you know, going out and bringing in clients and then filling the roles. Um, then I moved to be a corporate recruiter after doing being a headhunter for a while. And it was, you know, building relationships with my internal partners and then filling their roles. Today, the role is much different. I don't do any recruitment. You know, when I'm on LinkedIn, you know, I'm posting about recruitment all the time, but I don't actually do any of it anymore. You know, I, I manage people. So I have a team of, you know, 12, 12 people who report directly into me, another three who dotted line to me um, through some of my senior staff. And I manage relationships. And I manage relationships of clients um, all across the country in a variety of industries. So for me, you know, initially it was all about my role. It was very myopic. You know, I'm looking just at what I have in front of me, fill these roles, find candidates. Now it's... You know, it's it's guiding people, it's yeah. growing people, it's learning about the needs of the people on my team, finding out what they want to achieve, finding out how I can support and motivate them and put them in position to succeed. And then it's building relationships with your clients, you know, finding out what their pain point is and how are we uniquely positioned to solve that pain point for them? Um, how do I expand within an account, right? I, you know, I'm working with, you know, in some cases I'll be working with HR. Well, I'd love to get to know some of the managers. Um, some instances I'm working with a president of a company and I go, okay, well, this is great, but man, it would be good if I could also build some relationship with the second tier of leadership in your organization. So couldn't be more different. I spent a lot of time teaching the things I learned in the first seven years, um, over the last three, but I, you know, for me, I'm still learning every day, you know, it's, there's still things I learn about recruitment. 
I learn a ton about leading people. Um, I think that's so important. It's also the funnest part of my job. And then I learn a ton about um, about relationships and different industries, whether it's manufacturing, engineering, whether it's distribution, whether it's construction, whether it's pharmaceuticals. Um, I work in, a, I'm lucky enough to work in a variety of industries and experience and touch a lot of different stuff. Well, I think that's key because the fact that you do uh, have so many different industries, right? You you still have those values. It's not like, well, for this industry, we're going to look for this or for that industry, we're gonna look. you're looking for the same things across the board, no matter what industry it is. And that's where it kind of, like you said, makes you guys unique, gives you a yeah. value prop. Totally. And it's funny. I, I say this line a lot and it's like one of my things that I say, I, I sometimes I'll say things over and over again. And this is one of them recruiting all the different positions, different industries, roles, the things we're looking for are variables. doesn't matter if it's C++ or it's CNC machines. As long as we learn about our client, what's important to them and what it takes to succeed in the role, you know, I don't have to have a computer science degree. I don't have to have a BSME. I can find that person. I just need to learn what's important to you and then go after it. They're all variables. Good recruiters can recruit for anything. Oh, that's, that's key. And I mean, I appreciate you kind of contrasting the differences from from going as a recruiter, individual contributor to kind of what now you're kind of overseeing the whole thing, but still involved, right? You're still talking to managers and seeing what they need, uh, what they want. But instead of individually, I'm going to focus on these roles. Now you're focusing on the whole, the big picture. And that that seems like the biggest difference. Um, What would you say some of the biggest challenges were for you when you moved into your current role? Yeah, well, the biggest challenge right off the bat was I had never led people before. And doing that in an official capacity right. is, that's a leap. You know, that's, there's a considerable delta in responsibility between <laughs> managing your own work and managing someone else. You know, those aren't recruiters, those are people. And those right. people go home and they have, you know, you have a massive impact as a manager. And it is a massive responsibility and a privilege. And I think I had the immediate pressure of wanting to be the best leader I could possibly be. Because I know what it's like to have bad leaders. Right. I know what it's like to have exceptional leaders that motivate you. And, you know, they make work something that you care about and you're passionate about. And I just had a tremendous pressure to not be a bad man. So, so, so speak to that. What, what are, tell me some of the bad leaders that, you know, the traits that they had that you knew, yeah. okay, I do not want to have this uh, characteristic. You know, when somebody asked me, hey, what do you think about being? I don't want them to say this. Yeah, I, you know, two very different things, but I didn't want to be misinformed. Like I just didn't know what was going on. Right. I wasn't able to con, you know, comment on things, you know, intelligently. And I was just kind right. of out of the loop. And I didn't want to be a micromanager right. because what does that tell you? It tells your people that you don't trust them and they're not capable. And the reality is, even if that's your style, it's not scalable. No. Can you micromanage two people? Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea, but you probably can. Right. Can you do that with 20? I don't know what else you're going to do all day because you're not going to have time for anything else. Um, so those are things I wanted to avoid. Um, you know, for me, I played sports growing up and, you know, I was captain on a lot of different teams I was on. So I, I knew a little bit about leading people, but I just hadn't done it in a professional capacity. So sure. that was the hardest thing for me um, when I made the switch. No, that, that's great information. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about... Um, things you pour into your people right um what how have you leveraged those relations those experiences uh, before you had to 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 lead a group 
in, into how you're helping them develop and giving them some uh, a roadmap to success? Yeah, um, you know, I think the first thing is identifying what success actually means to them. Like I knew what it meant to me when I joined my company. It was get promoted a couple times, have my own team, grow my own team, right? And if you make the assumption that your people want to do the exact same thing as you, you're going to be wrong more often than not. So I think it's identifying what success means to somebody and then helping them achieve that, right? Some people want to grow. Some people want to learn. Some people want, you know, they want balance. You know, they want to be able to be, you know, start at 8.30 and go home at 4.45 and completely be unburdened by anything else. And I, so I think, you know, when you look at how, how you support your people, how you grow them, how you motivate them, key to that, one, I think you should care, right? I think caring, Empathy. learning what it is they're hoping to get out of it. And then you can look at it on an individual by individual basis and help them get there um, and, and position them to succeed in achieving whatever goals they are. So for me, that's, you know, that's the first step. Oh, and empathy is key. I mean, you talk about caring and actually, you know, when you walk in an office and you have somebody that maybe is not performing at a high level for whatever reason, and instead of you just basically asking them, hey, look, you got to do something or, you know, kind of leaving it un, you know, well, I don't know what's going to happen or or asking them going in with a different mindset. You know, I've, I watch a lot of stuff on Simon Sinek and, you know, how he, yeah. hey, how he says, hey, look, just ask them what's going on. What's, are you okay? And actually yeah. caring what that response is. You don't know if their, you know, mother has cancer or if, you know, they, their wife just lost her job. You don't know what's going on in their life. And if you don't give them that opportunity, it, you know, it just creates more uh, problems in the workplace. Yeah. I mean, it's really important. You, you know, it, I don't want to like come off as too like, you know, hippy dippy or whatever, but I mean, the, the reality is like people perform better in environments where they feel emotionally safe and careful, right? right? Like Google it, you know, it's not this, you know, it's like, if you Google anything about empathy and leadership, you will be bombarded with thousands of search results that basically say that. So yeah, well, that's an early you're right. And so, but that's, 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 you know, I think, as 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 a whole we've it's always been the known yeah the unknown has been when people would would take that information and do what was right with it right and so i yeah. think as 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 these these generations have evolved we've we've seen that the previous generation has kind of learned from the the, the past generation as far as what hadn't worked and and how now i mean you have all of these things that or people being intentional about really creating open spaces for dialogue, really creating open spaces for people to express themselves, to have those uh, maybe previously would be called uncomfortable conversations, right? Where we want to separate business and personal and we didn't want to, to, to intermingle. We didn't want, you know, people to have feelings in the workplace. And, and to your point, that's not, that's not sustainable. That's not, that's not a tenable situation for anybody. They have to always feel like if they're, if they say or do the wrong things or show emotions or, or care about something enough, then then they'll be looked at as 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 a, um, as, a as a mark against them in their career. Yeah, I mean, it I, to me it's as simple as we've all had a lot of bosses. Most of us have had a, a good amount, and if you've had a boss that you can tell cares about you and your development and your growth and how you're doing, and a boss that just couldn't care less, who did you work hard for? That's the same for everybody. Right. Um, 
you know, and I think the, the cool thing about today is there's so much science around it. There's numbers, there's studies. It's a beautiful thing about science. It doesn't care about your opinion. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. this is it. Facts are it facts. correct. No matter what you right. think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. What are some of the tools, like critical tools that you think uh, can really help recruiters starting out? Um, and even those that maybe aren't in recruiting, but just help them be a better team player, uh, be a be a more empathetic leader. You know, what are some of those things that you think are really like key? Like if they have these, you know, few traits, what, what, what would you say those most important are? Yeah. So as, as far as it, like traits, I can tell you kind of what I look for when I'm building my teams. Absolutely. Because I um there was a point in my my experience as a leader where I just completely fundamentally changed what I wanted to look for as a leader. Okay, um, so so what I read pause that, yeah. Wait, yeah, pause that. So that's <laughs> yeah. that's that's a that's, you can't gloss over that. So <laughs> yeah. what what caused the change? Why did you how did how did you arrive at that point where you knew I needed yeah. to be different? So it, it's kind of interesting. It two things coincided. I was having some some early team issues, so I was just starting to grow it. I was still a relatively new manager, growing it, and I noticed some some friction occurring in the team. And then I just happened to read the ideal team player, like at the exact same time. That's awesome. And I I said, you know, I, I remember hiring for proven recruiters with a good track record of recruiting, and I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to look for good teammates who are competitive um, and, you know, who who want to win and are hard workers. And I, and I also, I have access to a cognitive assessment. So my company does a lot of testing. Mm-hmm. We use um, predictive index. So we do um, personality assessments for yeah. every single role. So it's a free service we offer to our clients. For every role we recruit on, we, we do, hey, let's find out the personality that's going to work best for the role. And right. Let's take a cognitive assessment and let's set a benchmark. Mm-hmm. So we do that internally. So I hire intelligent, um, servant-hearted, hardworking, good teammates. And I don't care if they've done any recruiting at all because I can teach recruiting. Right. I can't teach you to be a good teammate. I can't teach you to want to work hard. Th- those are the things that I've, I've changed as a leader. I, I no longer care at all about recruiting. But I really do care if you're a good teammate. If you so, want to help with people. Right. And so it sounds like you had maybe some people who who didn't embody those traits. And it ah. was it was hard on you because they weren't always they weren't they weren't fully committed to to growing as you saw that they needed to grow and, and that's what maybe that's what caused friction. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the funny thing is anybody who has a story like this is probably going to tell you the same thing. They had a high performing person who wasn't necessarily a great teammate because if they were a low performing person, it's not a problem. They're off the team. Right. But so it's always that like, Hey, I had a person who wasn't exactly, you know, fully bought into the team spirit type thing. They also happen to be pretty strong and like in every story ever, that person's no longer the team. The team's better than ever. You know, um, You know, and now I just hire good teammates who are smart and work hard, and my life is a lot easier. No, so that, I, I'm key. glad you, yeah, I'm glad you brought that point up because we can get so caught up in focus, focusing on past past experiences as a future predictor, mm-hmm. that we miss out on what those past experiences actually told us. 
And so, yeah. you know, first of all, they could have been high performers. Were they good people? Did they care about the people that they work with? Did they support the, the mission of the team? And and all those things that that really get glossed over because we look at the end result and and the end result being the person winning more than they lost, or or really you know setting themselves apart and being a star, quote unquote, star of the group. So, no, that's that's huge. And 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 again, as 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 we come out of this COVID, and as we look at how. We're going to have to evolve as 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 an industry, as 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 a country. We're going to have to look at things in a totally different way, and and those attributes that we always assumed were were key attributes, key indicators, they really aren't going to hold the worth the weight weight and salt. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I I completely agree. It was it was an interesting time, and you know, after having made that change, I mean, it's it's just so, so much easier. So how long did it take you from reading the book, really buying into, okay, I've, I've been going about this all the wrong way to really getting your team in a place where you, you knew, okay, this is, this is either going to, going to, going to, you know, help me or hurt me. How long did that period take for you to get that done? I mean, the, the person was off the team within a couple months, my hiring mindset for my own team overnight, fundamentally. It just it just made so much sense to me because I had people on the team who embodied that, mm. and you know it just you know it just it was it was like a, a click you know for and, me it was like ah, and did this you makes get, so much sense right? And you got feedback from your your team who yeah. did, did they see the the change and see that you know hey you know I'm I'm really bought into to doing yeah. this, this differently. I talked about it too. You know I talked oh, about it. I'm like hey you know what we want for our team is hardworking you know, hardworking, um, good team players. Right. And I talk about it because people are going to, whatever you talk about, people are going to work towards that. Mm -hmm. If you just praise results, people are going to, that's the end all be all. But if right. you praise effort and you mm -hmm. praise being a good teammate, that's what people are going to strive to do. As a leader, right. you set the tone in many ways, Yeah, but that is one of them. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I think, so I'll, and I'm in sales. And so I liken it to really being involved in, in love with the process, right? you know, all of the, the dirty stuff that happens as far as the grunt work and stuff like that. I mean, you really have to, to embody that because that's, you know, that's where your wins come from because it, mm -hmm. our sales cycle is a little bit longer. The wins don't come, you know, until 12, 18, 24 months down the road. So if you if you lose focus of that, you don't have those instantaneous results or instantaneous positive feedback, you can get lost in the minutia and really get down on yourself pretty quickly. But if you're in love with the process, you involved in love with, with, with what it takes to get there, then you always be rewarded because you'll see your efforts day in, day out. Well, in soft skills, I mean, to your point, that's what you're looking for. You're, it's, it's not this 100-page job description, right, that has like, you know, all these things we need you to have experience in everything. It's like you're looking at a well-rounded person. Okay, this is a good person. I can teach them the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they're – if they have a you know a strong cog score, right? So they're they're an intelligent person, and they're competitive, and they're good to work with. You can learn recruiting. Recruiting in of itself is not a intellectually challenging role. Um, it it just really it isn't. But um, there are different things you've got to learn along the way. You've got to learn things about different roles. You've got to be able to speak to different things intelligently. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to talk to some really smart people mm -hmm. at times. So you want to be able to converse, but. Um, yeah, th those other attributes to me are just so much more important 
Yeah, but, but, all, but yeah. I think all those attributes just point to a person who's going to be prepared for those moments, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's the biggest thing, no matter what, whether it's speaking to an IT person or a, a, a construction person or a logistics person. If you embody those traits, which you just talked about, they'll be prepared. They won't, they won't, you know, they'll do their homework, do due diligence to ensure that they understand the customer uh, as best they can. And then they don't know, they probably won't put their foot in their mouth because they'll say, I, I need to do some more research on that to, to, to come back with you, right? And not yeah. make something up on the spot. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, You're right. It's like, there's no industry in which they go, hey, guys, no good team players. We just want a bunch of jerks on the team, okay? We just want <laughs> just animosity. 24-7. No, nobody Everywhere. says that. There's like no place where that's the case. Right. It's funny. I I was actually recommended the book by a logistics company that's a client of mine down in Atlanta. And they, they said to me, hey, we focus on the ideal team player. And I was like, okay. And I'm a reader. So I like immediately Amazoned it. And like it was there <laughs> in like 14 seconds. And I had read it by the next time I had spoken to them. And I was like, oh. So I incorporated like three or four of the questions into our screen. What would you say as far as for, I guess, companies to recruit more effectively? What are some of the things that you you would say, hey, if you're having trouble hiring, you know, focus on maybe these few things and this will help you get talent better, quicker and retain that talent? Yeah. So tip one would be to give me a call. Um, just kidding. Kind of. Uh, no. So I, I would say uh, if, if you're having trouble hiring, one of the things you should probably look at is your job description, right? Like, is that just a list of requirements? Um, is it enticing? Does it tell people what they'll accomplish? Um, you know, it really depends on what your setup is. Do you have a team that's going to go out there and effectively, you know, re recruit? Are they... Are they responsive and proactive or, you know, what, you know, how, how does it work? But I'd say one, examine your job descriptions. Um, that's key. Look at your process. You know, I think, you know, if you have a lengthy process in which you're not communicating with candidates, people are going to fall out of your process. And then you really have to understand and work on your pitch. You know, why would somebody want to leave an organization and come do that job for you? What's your EVP, your employee value proposition? Why are you exciting? What's the non-monetary growth they can expect to experience? You know, you want to aim for a 30% target. What is 30% better about their, you know, about your job than their current job? Is it right. scope? Is it impact? Is it flexibility? Is it growth? There should be things that intrigue people, but you should know what that is so that you can, you can tell that story to candidates. Well, I think it's important, you know, that you're courting them right it shouldn't just yes. it shouldn't just be one way right it, you yep. should be wanting to court them and and they you know same, same it should go both ways totally if i could give you two real quick pieces of advice if you're recruiting for your company it's move faster and it's a two-way process right like cause <laughs> right. I, one of some good advice i got in that first job was time kills all deals right and the reality is the longer you take the higher the probability is something is going to go wrong Right. And like, you don't want that to happen. If you move right. quickly, it's less likely they get a promotion at their current job. Somebody else from a different company calls them. They have a change of heart. Right. You know, whatever it is, you want to move quick. And you have to remember, it's not just about identifying if they're a right fit for you. The best people in the market will always have options. You need to tell them why you are a good fit for them. And if you're not doing that, you're missing the boat. So as we close, a couple of questions. What's one thing you wish you had known uh, at, at the beginning of your career? Oh man, you know, I, 
I wish I hadn't started during a recession. I started really <laughs> right in there. So there's a, that's nothing I could do to prevent that. There's no knowledge that would um, that would change that. Um, but honestly, I, I wish I would have been better um, at just segmenting my day and being more strategic with the way I broke it down. Sometimes it's the little things. And for me, if I had just been a little bit better at planning my day and being productive and doing the right things with the time I had available, I think I would have been more productive out of the gate. It was a great learning experience, but if I think if I could inject that little bit of wisdom into, you know, right out of college, Ben, you would have been a little bit stronger. <laughs> I think we all should. No, look, I mean, I think if you if you, you go from a, not, a semi-non-structured environment where everything is really, really optional and you don't get yes. results until three, four months down the road, whether you were good with your time, you know, to, yeah. to all of a sudden every day being important and every day uh, having a, a different target. So no, it's, it's, that's not uncommon. <laughs> yeah. Every day having that accountability, right? Um, yeah. Let me ask you this bit. What, what are some of the best resources that maybe have helped you along the way? I know you mentioned the ideal team player. I know yeah. that's one, but any, any others you'd recommend? You know, it, so if you're talking about leadership, because I, I, I read a lot on leadership, I can only run, recommend a couple books. I would recommend the ideal team player. I would recommend extreme ownership. Um, I would recommend uh, it's your ship. Yep. Um, it's a good one. And uh, you know, start with why. You talked about Simon Sinek. That's another yep. really good one. Yep. How to win friends and influence people. That's a that's a, like a low key classic, really good book. Just on yep. how to get the best out of people and interact with people. Yeah, I'm I'm a big reader. Um, I do long distance running. So at any given weekend, you know, any week I'm spending five to six to seven hours running and another three hours weightlifting. And I use that time to listen to books. So yep. I'm consuming a book um, every other week. And uh, those are some of the key ones. There's a ton of good books I've listened to that have been impactful. But as a leader, I would recommend those. You know, for recruiting resources, that one's a little bit more challenging because I think good recruiters kind of hold on to their secrets a little bit. It's like magicians a little bit. Yeah. So there's yeah. not like a place you can go. So, but there are certifications like the, you know, Ayers has their certified internet recruiter. That'll teach you how to use Boolean. Learning how that really quick is helpful. Um, there's the, the Morgan Academy down in Kansas city. It's a small three day boot camp that I went to and it teaches you how to cold call and just to get in there and build out like it, that was really powerful. So those are some resources for recruiters. They're expensive. Um, it's not like a book. Well, no, but it's an investment, right? It, I think, yeah. I think if, if you're serious about honing your craft, you have a decision to make either you can, you can do things with your expendable income that, that don't help you in the long run, or you can take the, the, and the, the, the bet on yourself approach and, and invest in, in your future. And I think that it sounds like, in, and you've been a product of kind of investing in yourself and helping yourself strategically to be able to, to, to get to where you are and hopefully um, continue the process and trajectory. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I mean, the, the funny thing about all the things I mentioned, while there's a cost to them, most of them are a fraction of getting a, you know, a college degree. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, I got my MBA um, a little bit over a year ago. I finished um, grad images is still sending me offers <laughs> to buy my graduation pictures. It's like 14 <laughs> months later. I'm like, man, they do not quit. Um, but, uh, you know, that way more expensive and you know sometimes i look at a book i read and i go which one of these was truly more impactful in my life and it's it's just kind of interesting when you think about it look and it's uh, we talked about um 
things are changing and it's 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 going to be interesting really interesting how the next decade universities try to pivot i mean you, you everybody's taking a hard look at how funds are spent and how how funds are deployed and what's really getting the most bang for the buck so there will be iterations of universities that will be a fraction of the cost that will give tips and strategies to really manage and run businesses at a different level where people can apply it instantaneously and it would be you know it's going to be interesting i mean i, I i'm 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 hopeful and excited because this new again I, I'm, I'm betting on this new generation man i think that that they yeah. they're going to see the world in an entirely different light entire different scope and yeah the the biggest reason for me is i have three young kids and I see the way they interact and they play and they communicate and, and how they view life's problems at a, at a certain level, but how they really compartmentalize it and say, okay, moving on. Yeah. I can't, you know, I, I, I can't not like this person. I got to work with them, <laughs> work together. Let's build this thing. And, you know, and it, it's, it's really, it's really interesting dynamic, but, um, but I appreciate your, your, your time. I appreciate yeah. you being a guest. I, I really enjoyed your insight on leadership networking um where can i guess connect with you at yeah so i'm on linkedin i'm posting i post every single day so you know ben white comma mba comma cir that that's me i'll be the one posting two to three times every day on linkedin um you know you can you know titus talent strategies that's my company i'm on the leadership page you can find me there find my email and email me there if you need help recruiting and you want someone for your organization, you know, feel free to reach out to me there. And then I also have a website, gettingthejobhq.com. I just write articles about interviewing well, which is kind of the same, you know, stuff I do on LinkedIn. So anybody could find me there. And uh, I want to thank you guys for having me on. I had a blast. Oh, yeah. um, it's a really fun conversation that, that flew by. Oh, thank you, man. We really appreciate you being available. Yeah, man. Uh, again, your, your time. I know I've enjoyed a lot of your Ben Talks talent. Um, so I've been trying to follow that. And, and everything you say is like, man, yeah, that's exactly what I think in my head. He's just saying it out loud. And like he, he's got a lot of good, I mean, using the Gallup study and some of the, the stats that you have to back up what you're saying. I mean, that's, that's, that's extremely valuable. I think um, you're following up. I'm sure has has grown since you started that, and and kudos to you for for growing that. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I try, I try to inject some science in there every once in a while to offset just my opinion. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great information. I appreciate you, man, and uh, thanks for thanks for being on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again to Ben White for sharing his story and dropping a lot of valuable information today. You can connect with Ben via LinkedIn. The link to his bio is in the show notes. You can also connect with us via the links in the show notes to our LinkedIn profiles, as well as the Driving Force podcast page. We'd love to get your feedback on the show, so please like, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating. Tell us what you think. As always, thanks again for listening, and remember, you are closer to your destination than where you started from. Don't look back. Don't turn back. Keep moving. Keep pushing forward.